morning, you're listening to 2XXFM 98.3. The program is Subject ACT, Canberra's local current affairs program. I'm Kim Vella, and today on Subject ACT, we're talking about palliative care and the role that it plays for individuals with life-limiting illness and, of course, their families and carers. To help us understand the aims of palliative care, how and when people receive palliative care, we're joined by CEO of Palliative Care ACT, Gail Sweeney. Good morning, Gail. Good morning, Kim, and thank you so much for having us on and an uh, opportunity to talk about palliative care. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We This is part of our broader conversation on death and dying, and um, palliative care, of course, is an important function in that whole process. So perhaps we could start the conversation by talking about what palliative care actually is. Mm, Kim, good question and something we need to talk about more. But palliative care is a model of care that um, supports people to live their life as fully as possible and as comfortable as possible with a life-limiting illness. Mm. It's not just about the client, it's about their family and loved ones as well. Mm. So it um, focuses on a whole range of things. It manages symptoms of their illness, including pain. It manages spiritual care. It looks at their social needs, their physical needs. It's a whole package of services to ensure a person. It really is dependent on what the person's needs are and what they want. And um, it takes a village, really, to create that, but that's what palliative care is about, supporting a person and their family. And are there specialist doctors in the field of palliative care? Is it a specialty like, I don't know, oncology or paediatrics? Yeah, Yeah, Kim, there are. Um, Statistics show us about 2,000 people a year die in Canberra. But not all of those. It's a small percentage that that need the specialised palliative care team. And we have those um, excellent specialised team. And they operate through Clare Holland House. And it's um, governed by Calvary. Um, Other people who don't need those specialised services get the supports from their GP and other services throughout Canberra. Palliative support. Palliative support. We, We certainly need more supports and we're lobbying hard to get more services. Um, Research shows that 80% of people want to die at home, but currently only 14% do. Mm. So there is a a big gap there, um, Kim, in what's available at at the moment. What do you think explains that gap? What are some of the factors that are are leading um, people, you know, to die, I guess, in clinical settings as Mm. opposed to at home? Yeah, Kim, it's, it's a hard one, and, and I could tell you what my gut tells me, but we do have a little project going with ACT Health. We're looking at, um, it's an exploratory project, and it's looking at what are the barriers to end-of-life care at home. Because <laughs> certainly we get a lot of phone calls, people quite desperate mm. for support. A, a typical one is if I can just have one night's rest, one night's sleep a week, I'll survive longer as a carer. Mm. If I understand what the process of death is, that's exactly I that, could that's a huge yeah. one. So we, we again, Kim, I, we, we've just won a small grant to, to do some education. We're kicking that off next month. But um, without information and knowledge, it's really hard to empower people to know what palliative care is and what they can access. Yeah. 
I I've experienced that firsthand when my mum was dying, and right. I I found myself trying to do my own research to, mm. to figure out what was mm. what was happening. Um, so, can you tell us a little bit about the latest developments in palliative care? What we might be able to enjoy or experience today, as opposed to say 30 or 40 years ago. Yeah, Kim, it's a, there is a movement, certainly at Commonwealth level and at state and territory levels, looking at models of palliative care. We're an ageing population where you know, care will be more complex and we are all going to die. <laughs> um, that's a given. So it's, um, it's very timely that we're looking at how we can better service palliative care and, and support people with end-of-life illnesses. Um, research, like I said, people do want to die at home, mm. but a very small percentage are. So we need to do more of work around why can't they die at home and what do we need to fill those gaps. Mm. So there is work um, being done to, to look at that and, and certainly lots of lobbying of government to <coughs> support that, uh, to get more services in place. Um, uh, there, there's a lot of technology that we could use um, to better support people, even to reduce isolation. I mean, the simple iPad, you know, just to connect with people daily to see how you're going. There's a, a wad of technology that supports people with their medication too. So we, we could better utilise technology. Um, there's a, a lot of research that demonstrates what is there, what's useful and what can be used. Mm. Um, I guess we've come a long way in managing pain and symptoms, but the gaps are around how people access those services to get on that palliative care bandwagon to be supported by the services mm. that are there. Is it referred to as being scripted for palliative care? That was a term that I, I uh, experienced when my mother was in yeah. palliative care. Yeah, and that, that's a, yeah, it's a great one um, because there is a lot of grey area around when a person is palliative. Um, so, and how, you know, we, we, excuse me, we need to, I mean, it's a life-limiting illness. Mm. So really that, that is a whole lot of conditions. Mm. And the earlier we can get people involved in palliative care services, there is research showing that the better death and better bereavement process they'll have. But getting people involved, because you, the norm is we don't talk about death. Yeah. When the diagnosis comes, people are very stressed and become very emotional. Yeah. And it's the last thing they're thinking of, let yeah. alone where are the services, what's available, what about our finances? So yeah. once we get with people, they're normally in a very stressed state. Yeah. So it's very hard to, you know, <laughs> yeah, we need to do the conversations before the, the, those diagnoses gotcha. because there are a lot of things already in place. We, mm. we, we need to get more in place. But um, getting people engaged, it's like talking about the leaky roof. Until it starts leaking, we don't... Um, or until, go there. Uh, until it becomes a massive big hole in the, That's <laughs> right. the roof. And then it, then it's chaos. Oh dear. And unfortunately, Sorry. yeah, a lot of our calls are quite stress calls. Mm. And, and um, yeah, people are, are very, it's, it's, yeah, not, not a, a topic or a subject we do talk about a lot. And we're hoping to improve on that to get people talking about death and what they want their death to be like. What do they want a power of attorney? How do they want their doggy in bed with them? There's a whole 
again, a whole package of things that people need to talk about to ensure that they... Do they want to be resuscitated? That they get what they want. That they get what they want. And then are empowered to enforce that. Mm. Mm. So, Gail, perhaps we could talk a little bit about um, who might need to access palliative care. We, we, we know that or we understand that it's for people who have life-limiting illness. Um, at the same time, there's a possibly a reluctance. I know my mother had stage 4 renal cell carcinoma, which is very, you know, yes. a dire sort of prognosis. Um, at the same time, there was a, a reluctance on the part of her treating doctors to actually um, use the any words related to death or dying um, because they didn't want to um, impair her kind of emotional yes. response to the whole situation. But yeah. the reality is, I guess, people do need to access palliative care. So who are these people? What what are they dealing with? What what are they confronted with? And I think that's part, part of education and empowering people, um, Kim, because... Our, our GPs do have a duty of care and their obligation to their patient um, does put up some barriers. We, we have a lot of people ring in with exactly the same issues. So what we try and get people to do is inform them of what they can access and what they can say and do. So because I guess we've always, you know, we, we do have our GPs on pedestals. We do listen to what a GP says and you know, follow their instructions, we need to be much more empowered with what our wishes are mm. and what we can and want to access because anybody with a life-limiting illness mm. can access palliative care. Now, you might access palliative care, you might have palliative care services come in and out of your journey. Gotcha. You don't, you know, it's about setting yourself up to be as comfortable and be able to live your life as fully as possible. So that journey doesn't involve palliative care services the whole way. It could be a range of services coming in and out of your life. So really it's about education and empowering people to be forceful to say, no, this is, you know, we do not want this resuscitation. This is what the form says. We do not want this intervention. This is what dad's wishes are. Um, we probably need to do work around advanced care plans. Mm. An advanced care plan is a directive of what you want to happen if you mm. are in a situation where you're needing intervention. But the the issue is if you don't have that advanced care plan on you and you collapsed in the street yeah. and the ambulance was called, their obligation is to resuscitate you. Absolutely. So there's some some... Yeah, work to be done around those areas about how we tidy that up so that people can wear alerts or whatever it is to, oh. to know what the information is to for their end of life wishes. Yeah. Um, so you've been talking a little bit about empowering patients and carers. What, what programs or services do you have or are you aware of that help um, patients and carers access what they need, um, give them a voice, e even just letting them understand the, the frameworks that they're going to encounter when they get into this machinery of palliative care. Yeah, Kim, if you're in the specialised area of palliative care, and that's clinical services coming through Clare Holland House, 
you will have access to all of that, the support groups for carers and families, counselling, grief and loss. If you're outside of the specialised services, um, we're currently looking at some education, but it is about being informed and, and knowing what's available for you. To help alleviate that, we've won a small grant and we're setting up a database. It'll be um, accessed on our web page. So anybody, including professionals, will be able to go to that database and find any palliative care service in ACT. But that's not the solution. It's about knowing what services you need at what stages. So mm. I think that's also about education and informing people. Mm. So like I said, we're about to roll out an education program and we're hoping to lock into every CWA meeting, every Rotary meeting, every CODA meeting, every, you know, as many groups as possible to mm. start the conversation about death. We're going to run some um, dying to talk over daiquiris evenings and dying to talk over dinner. We've got to get people to talk about death to be informed and be empowered about what they want. So it's sometimes... Kim, not even about the services, it's about the family support and their knowledge, it's yeah, about your neighbours. Absolutely. So the more we can involve the village, <laughs> the, the person will also be, um, will be yeah, better informed. A lot of carers collapse due to stress because the death process, the dying process is not always comfortable to watch, it's very stressful. So if people would un, you know, can understand what that process is, um, it's very empowering to know mm. why is that breathing change? Why is that? Mm. What are the triggers? What's, when do I do the pain? Yeah, what does all of this mean? Yeah, so we can lengthen and, and support carers better as well through mm. education and other services. Mm. You're listening to 2XFM 98.3. The program is Subject ACT, Canberra's local current affairs program where we explore issues from a curious and informed perspective. We might go to a track now, courtesy of Pete West. What have we got that we might be able to listen to this morning? What I've uh, queued up, Kim, is uh, a beautiful track of one of my favourites by the Waterboys. Um, it's called We're All Living in a Strange Boat. Thanks, Pete. i 
We're living in a strange time Working for a strange goal We're living in a strange time We're working for a strange goal Listening to 2XXFM 98.3, the program is subject ACT. Today we're talking with CEO of Palliative Care ACT, Gail Sweeney, about the role of palliative care in society and how it's delivered for individuals with life limiting illness and, of course, their families and carers. Stay with us now for more of our conversation with Gail Sweeney. Thanks for joining us this morning, Gail. Um, Pleasure. I guess a, a, another part of this whole context now that we're in around death and dying is the issue of euthanasia and I wonder if you could talk to us about possible synergies between palliative care and the possible legislation of euthanasia. Kim, palliative care doesn't see euthanasia as part of its model of care. Palliative care is about supporting a person to live their life fully and as comfortable as possible. Euthanasia is about ending life. We certainly appreciate that some people do want euthanasia, um, but palliative care, uh, euthanasia isn't part of the palliative care model of service. So I, I guess we will face that when it comes, mm-hmm. um, but we yeah, support people to live mm-hmm. as fully as possible, Kim. I wonder, Gail, um, if you could talk to us about whether you've observed, maybe locally or nationally, how the experiences of palliative care among patients and carers differ by location, gender, ethnicity, even social class or, or age. Kim, that's a great question. It's a a difficult one. Can I just go back to the euthanasia? Absolutely. And um, what, just by going out and about a lot, not many people know about palliative care. What is palliative care? So something that's really important is to get people more informed about palliative care so they can then make a more informed Choice. choice. So to get people and to make sure there are appropriate services in place. So without proper information about what is palliative care, what's it involved, and without appropriate services that are timely in place, we really can't have that informed debate. Discussion. So um, like I said again, we're starting some education. 
we're lucky in ACT we've got a pretty captive audience so we're hoping to re reach as many people as possible. We've also got a um, an application into Commonwealth for a much larger education grant. Mm -hmm. We're hoping this is just a stepping stone to do more education but with this small grant we'll certainly try and reach as many people as possible and um, we'll probably look at trying making some champions, palliative care champions or ambassadors. We need this information to get out there because the euthanasia debate is here. It's very Discussion. prominent. It's very prominent. There are lots of um, stories going around um, and some of it is fear because a lot of people are fearful of death. Mm. So yeah, we, we need and the those pain that yeah, they absolutely. That they experience. So we certainly need to get that education and information much more out there so people mm. are informed. And in regard to the um, your other question, Kim, certainly in rural and remote areas, mm. there are challenges. Services aren't as available. Mm. Um, um, uh, different ethnic groups have different needs mm -hmm. um, and we're not particularly you know, good at that, we're trying to improve, we've got a project going where we're looking at connecting with different groups in ACT to better uh, service our, our cow population. Mm -hmm. um, we're certainly working on that to, to better support it um, but there are some issues there and there, there are also some um, cultural issues about accessing services and bringing other people into the home. So we've got some work to do there to improve on those areas. It really does start with awareness of what's available, doesn't it? That, exactly. Yeah. It, yeah. I, I didn't realise that, um, you know, um, for instance, my mum, she had two neck vertebrae removed. It was a palliative yeah. treatment. Yeah. I didn't realise that palliative care, uh, my ideas about palliative care were associated with morphine and uh, you know the yes, final yes, kind of days yes, and yes. I didn't realize that it could kick in so much earlier and help people to continue yes. to be a part of society and enjoy family and we've that's a great example because we've increased our home-based services with our people going into people's homes to support them by over 400 percent in eight months so we've really been out there spreading the word so Unfortunately now we've got a waiting list, yeah. so we're about to do some more recruitment of our volunteers. But um, yeah, palliative care is to get in there as early as possible to mm. support you with whatever it is needed to make sure you're comfortable. Mm. So yeah, that, that's a great example of what mm. can be involved. What, um, what strategies are, I guess, being recommended to support carers? what kind of support I mean I know from personal experience and also from my own research that carers find this process physically demanding um, psychologically stressful and um, you can as a carer experience your own physical and psychological illness <laughs> at the end of caring for someone who has a life-limiting illness yeah. and um, Kim that's the model of care for palliative care is family centred and certainly the services that are available we focus on the whole family but when people fall through the gaps the care is very vulnerable out there alone isolated and they do get stressed it's quite it's not just about caring for their loved one it's about the losses they're experiencing 
So in Canberra we do have services, um, but knowing that they're there and when you're in a stressed situation, even trying to access them is quite mm. a, um, a, a task. Mm. So we're certainly lobbying ACT government to get more support mm. for the whole you know, family, uh, especially carers, example the overnight respite, mm. um, but just carers support groups, carers information mm. and carers yeah, time out is a big one mm. and empowering carers with what the processes are and what to do when when um, situations arise. Mm. It's 8.56am and we've got four minutes to go on Subject ACT. Stay tuned for the radio land care show coming up at 9am. Um, you talked a little bit earlier, Gail, about spiritual needs being a part of the palliative care model and I guess... Um, in the kind of modern clinical setting, the <laughs> spiritual needs don't really aren't really at the forefront, aren't really emphasised. I wonder if you could talk a little bit more, share just a little bit of your insight about how patients and carers' spiritual needs are addressed in the palliative care framework. Yeah, and the spiritual needs, uh, Kim, are what what it is. It's about the person's needs and their families and certainly with a life-limiting illness it's a question that people some people turn away from what their beliefs were some people reach out more so it is quite a challenging time mm. but of course whatever within the service we provide and I know within Claire Holland House and but certainly in the acute sector it's a little more difficult but it's about meeting those people's needs so whatever their spiritual needs are, we, we do support and go out of our way to make sure that they're able to access. But there are a variety of, um, when people are faced with death, mm. it, it does become a challenging area for a lot of people. Mm. Um, so but whatever that is, we, we do support. And in a, in a non-judgmental oh, abs non way. And, and of course, Canberra is a very um, diverse um community mm. so we, we not only two weeks ago we were invited to the Buddhist temple mm. and we spoke with the uh, high the venerables from all over Australia mm. and their needs are quite different but we were able to uh, accommodate and we nursed the top um, monks mother in ACT with all their cultural needs attended to that's wonderful you're listening to 2XXFM 98.3. The program is Subject ACT, where we discuss local current affairs from a curious and informed perspective. That concluded our discussion with CEO of Palliative Care ACT, Gail Sweeney. Thank you so much, Gail, for coming in this morning and talking with us about this extremely important, highly central issue of death and dying and, and helping us understand and explore the palliative care framework. Thank you, Kim. And, and, and anything we can do to get that message out there and get people talking about death and dying, all the better. Excellent. Join us each weekday, 8.30am to 9am on 2XXFM 98.3, subject ACT. You can stream us live on 2XXFM.org.au forward slash listen. I'm Kim Vella and uh, thank Pete West for his assistance today. Enjoy your day.